It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James Truepenny. This is my show, and today we are at the first day of G1 Climax and the second day of G1 Climax. It is wrestling Christmas, and to accompany me on this. Yuletide journey of wrestling awesomeness is Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Safe and sound, I am glad to say. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Like you said, I had to be uh, all good uh, from some uh, potentially very inclement weather, but uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I wanted to be in on the whole G- G1 of it all. You know, sometimes it can get away from us, but uh, I'm trying to be keep up with it as uh, close as I can. So I'm glad to be here. I will let you in a little production chat secret. Whenever we have multiple people on and Marcus is on with someone else, especially if they're from North America like Chelsea, <laughs> the first question if Marcus is late is, what's the weather like in Louisiana? Is he okay? We're slightly concerned you might have got washed away in some kind of tidal wave or hurricane or the horrible things that happen in the panhandle area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having been to Texas, seeing the weather they have there, I know what I know what what it's like. So, yes. Oh, yeah. it... Okay, and speaking indeed of Texas, the first show for the first night was a debut night in Dallas at the American Airlines Arena, um, and it was the Block A start night, and it was kind of like the dream of Kazuchika Okada. He was the first person to float the idea of running the G1 in America. When they looked at the sales from the MSG show and the Cow Palace shows from last year, a lot of the numbers were coming from the Southwest, and they picked Dallas as a major aerial hub. If you go to uh, Dallas Airport, it's one of the busiest airports in North America, um, and it's a good central hub for loads of people to fly into. Uh, Maybe slightly disappointing for the opening night. They got just less than 5,000 people into the American Airlines Arena, which is about a 10,000-seater. But having said that, they said they're going back, so... That was an interesting move for the first night. What are your thoughts on the business side first, Marcus? Yeah, I thought, I thought. I mean, it's, it's good to see the G1 over here. Obviously, you know, we were talking for a long time as talks have been going on for a while about, you know, obviously the U.S. expansion. Um, and this is yet another step in that. Um, I wonder um, when, it, when it comes to the attendance, had it uh, would have been more or, it, you know, met its goal had they maybe advertised, you know, Okada Tanahashi? Yeah, it didn't really get announced till about a month before, and it was obvious. It was a fairly obvious match the first time on U.S. soil. The signature feud of New Japan Pro Wrestling that was worth putting there, really, and without giving the farm away. So if you want like Moxley Okada somewhere down the line, or Will Osprey Okada somewhere down the line, who are big draws in America, you've got a you've got something to go to. So it was a classic match to pour out there, and I think they probably would have done slightly better if they'd advertised it for longer. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, even uh, as, as uh, popular as New Japan has become with U.S. fans, and many times if, uh, they've clashed in New Japan, there's still a lot of fans who haven't seen it, you know. So, yeah. uh, but, they, but they've heard the name Okada Tanahashi, I'm sure. Like I said, of course, many times they clashed. So that, that really would have, I think, uh, sparked the interest of a lot of fans. But, you know, um, it, it's, still a, it's still a good outing. But uh could have done without some of those certain shots. Um, of, yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as we rag on Vince, he's always been pretty good about uh, making things seem uh, better than what they are in certain areas. Exactly. 
So we'll go with the opening night then. We're going to go match by match. We just normally quickly skip through the tag matches. Gorillas of Destiny actually had quite a barnstorm with Rapingi 3K. They showed some obvious heavyweight dominance to the former junior heavyweight tag team champions, but it was quite a lot of fun showing you how the Rome for as long as they possibly could, but it was worth watching. Uh, did you see this one, Marcus? Yeah, I caught some highlights of this one. This was, uh, yeah, we've been, again, uh, G.O.D. Is, is one of the best going and, and showing yo. Uh, I think we talked about it on last show specifically. Who it is uh, yo that's kind of getting yoked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so that that's good. Um, but it's, it's still good to see these tag teams going. I think um, G.O.D. have been calling for some, uh, I guess, more fresher competition. I don't think they've clashed with Rapongi as much as they have other teams. So um, it, it's, uh, it's good to see. But I, I feel like these two teams will always have some uh, pretty good chemistry so it's, it's good to see that they wasn't going to let uh, the G1 matches, I guess, uh, show them up, which of course is the G1, so you expect it but, you know, they put a lot of pride in these matches, so. Yeah, they do. Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita, they defeated Chota Rumino and Tomohiro Ishii in 7 minutes and 18 seconds. Kind of a settled match for night two, and it worked pretty well for what it was. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Uh, Cobb and, and Narita are interesting uh, tag team and all. You know, can't say enough good things about Uma. No one Ishii is always going to be Ishii no matter what scenario he's in. So, <laughs> The next match, Chaos Oroki Goto and Yoshihashi, who has been shut out of this year's G1 for his less than stellar performance last year. They defeated Bullet Club, Chase Owens and Jay White. Eight minutes and 38 seconds of did what it says on the tin. However, Chase Owens' stellar performance in this matchup. Always big fans of anybody, you know, uh, of uh, consistent fans here know that we are big fans of Chase Owens um, and, and Dave Finley, of course. Um, you know, yeah. forgotten treasures, the sometimes forgotten treasures of Bullet Club, if you will. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and uh, you'll never hear me complaining about a Goto victory, and Yoshihashi is always <laughs> a fashion of, uh, of a win, specifically, like you said, because he got shut out of the G1 this year. Um, but, yeah, yeah another, another uh, solid outing. Uh, if you don't know that Marcus and Christy are the co-presidents of the Yuroki Goto Appreciation Society. Yeah, yeah, we, we are small, but we are strong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next matchup was Juice Robinson, Justin Thunder, Liger, and Toriyano. They defeated LIJ, Bushi Shingo, Takagi, and Tetsuya Nato, 8 minutes and 18 seconds. LIJ having to go full on heel here. They were not. They were kind of welcomed with rapturous reverence and then had to go full heel because Jushi Thunder Liger is that popular. Um, and they got the win in 8 minutes, 18 seconds. I think it was Bushy eating a pin from Juice Robinson. It was kind of a bit of an odd mishmash of chaos and regular army doing cheaty things against the team that cheats all the time. It was it was confusing, but fun. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Yano is going to be Yano, but, uh, you know, Juice and... and uh... Jushin are usually on a, on an up and up, but you kind of, uh, I guess, kind of got to go in your bag, if you will, of tricks when you're going against. I mean, this is a formidable uh, trio: Bushi, Shingo, and Naito. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a hell of a trio right there. So, you know, you can't blame them, but it just kind of it was it was kind of uh, out of it for a little bit. But you know, with uh, it's nice to see Juice picking up some momentum heading into uh, heading into the tournament. So, indeed. Right then, uh, we get down to the serious business. First match of the night, 2019, the 29th of G1. Lance Archer coming back for the first time in five years with a glorious mullet. Let us just take a moment to appreciate the shaved at the side, spiked up at the front, mohawk mullet 
of one Lance Archer because it was just beautiful. Hey, hey we, we can't do these shows and not mention good hair. Uh, no, 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 so no. Can't do it. Can't do it. You, you got to you got to give a shout out. And as much as we complain about Lance Archer's uh, just his overall too, specifically his attitude uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, water disbursement. Um, you know, we, we got to give him credit here. And then going to be giving him credit for a lot more than his hair. Oh, yeah. This was Lance Marches. Lance Marches? Lance Archer's greatest ever match by a long, long, long way. This was a country mile. And it wasn't Will Ospreay doing all the work either. Archer really put the, the power into this match. But he was in his hometown. And he wasn't going to show himself up on his hometown. He was going to do a job. And by God, he did a job. Will Ospreay has been phenomenal this year. We can again. We can come up with several reasons to complain about his attitudes towards life and the dumb things he says on social media. But I've never not said he's a fantastic professional wrestler. He has kind of ironed out the kinks in his game. The risks are reduced. The selling is under control. He's doing a proper job every time he steps in the ring. And with someone like Lance Archer, where it could all go horribly wrong so easily, this did not happen. This was on point, well put together, well organized. A very, very good professional wrestling match. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree with you. Now, I was uh, one of the many reasons why I was looking uh, forward to doing talking with you uh, specifically on night one is because, uh, you know, I was looking, I was like, wow, uh, I'm definitely glad to refer to James on this because has anybody had this much of a, uh, like, tough first match? Because Osprey went through hell in this match. <laughs> an incredible year against some incredible opponents and really had to elevate his game. But Lance Archer put this guy through a specific amount of hell but of course he would you know uh you know battle back and come up with a with a l which i didn't expect but i mean when you look at the effort that they got put forth it kind of makes sense uh but has anybody had as tough as night and they first bought his osprey well you don't i'm not on the first night. i think jay white versus tanahashi was a pretty tough match from last year minoru suzuki against anyone last year was pretty tough because he was dishing out punishment Um, but to go through a table in the first three minutes of your opening match of the G1, that makes the next month a very long 30 days, to be honest with you. Yeah, and again, toughest person in Japan, I will always say, is their table. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, it it was great. It was even great just that spot because Lance basically had to give him a receipt for, like, what he he took some high-power offense, like a springboard 450 in the first couple minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. Normal upon and away. So, you know, that was just some just some great stuff. He literally Osprey literally threw everything and the kitchen sink at this man and he just kept coming. Did an extended old school, you know, which uh not something we'll see Undertaker doing these days. So uh that was <laughs> but yeah, man, this is uh you know, this was Lance making a statement. Um you can hear this man loud and clear right now. This is not gonna be a pushover uh in this tournament. No, big man wrestling done really, really well. Speaking of big man wrestling, done really, really well. Bad luck, Farley. Hey? What, what's been he been having for breakfast? The match he had with Evil, 11 minutes, 33 seconds, was a bit of a corker. Now, Farley don't do an awful lot because it doesn't make sense for him to do an awful lot. But when he gets his head on, he can actually have a really good matchup. Now, this wasn't rated, unlike every other match on this card, <laughs> by the cage match users or Meltzer. But I think it's thoroughly enjoyable and did exactly what it was supposed to do. Rogue General pulls out a win against Evil in a tough old matchup with chairs flying everywhere, a little bit of interference, a little bit of Americanization, if you will, but it worked for this particular layout. 
And I was thoroughly enjoyed this match. It was a bit work a day, but you know, it's Farley. The guy's like lumpy and but he does lumpy really well. So yeah. what are your thoughts on this, Marcus? Yeah, same. I mean, this this kind of uh takes me back to those JR quotes, bowling shoot ugly, kinda like a slobber knocker affair. Yeah, um, yeah. And they wasn't trying to be anything else, and I appreciated him uh for that. Because, you know, evil can kind of go either way. You know, he can he can go with somebody like you know, Zack Sabre or whatever, or he could just go, you know, brawl. Which basically felt like what he did for the most part with with Fale. Um and it's ironically they brought up the announced announcers did that uh the uh gorillas was in the building because you know felt like Fale was channeling some of that uh that um Tonga messing yeah. up one type of mentality here um taking out chairs going to a low blow which is not necessarily something he normally has to resort to just because I mean he's a mountain of a man but he decided to go with it here and uh, it worked to his uh, effect as he hit that bad luck fall which evil thudded on that canvas Oof, uh, yes yeah just a nasty thud but yeah again that's similar to the archer these are not two men you want to play with specifically when bad luck is, is playing uh, dirty so <laughs> right then the next matchup was uh, Sonada versus Zack Sabre Jr. Now, these two are perhaps the two most technically gifted heavyweight wrestlers in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they put an absolute clinic on. This was, as they said at the beginning, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Rivera, who, by the way, were a brilliant commentary job. This was Access TV done really, really well, did really, really well with these two here. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, but also, this matchup was pretty exceptional. You know, Sonada... He's kind of a lucha guy. He has all that experience from Mexico, but from Canada, working Keiji Muto, his mentor, and Zack Sabre Jr. is a catch-as-catch-can, folk wrestling kind of guy. He's a throwback to the snake pit, and he's a throwback to Azarati and uh, Billy Robinson and all of those submission specialists of the 1950s and 60s. And you wouldn't think that these two styles would mesh at all, really, because I've seen wrestlers, two wrestlers like this, just not got on at all. Um, but it worked really, really well. And Sonata sneaks out a victory on Zack Sabre Jr. The hunk killer couldn't the hunk killer couldn't kill this particular hunk on this particular given day. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Marcus? This was uh, really just a, a beautiful exchange uh, right here. Because, um, you know, we, we you know, uh, Zach, you know, deserves all the accolades and, and, and praise that he uh, gets, despite sometimes how his attitude comes off specifically when he loses. Um, <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, anybody that's listening to the show know I'm, I'm a huge Sonata fan, as are you. I mean, going all the way back for me to, you know, he came in the impact and say a Sonata. Uh, just seeing his growth, you know, in his New Japan journey has been incredible. And the way his style matched with, with uh, Zach was, like I said, it was beautiful. I mean, you talk about a lot of times, you know, because um, Zach is just a specific type of wrestler. He's going to always kind of do his style. Um, and sometimes that doesn't clash well with guys. And depending on if he throws a guy off his game with his style, it can be a bit of a boring affair because it's basically just going to be a guy looking confused as he's trying to figure out how his knee got to the tip of his nose. As, as, the, <laughs> as him locked up in a submission, he can't really figure out uh, what it is. So, um, but with Sonata, you know, obviously student of the game, you know, had Zach cut off at every possible point. Just some beautiful counters and exchanges here, and the fact that he caught Sable, which not a lot of people can say at his own game and won. 
you know, uh, that 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 is like a, a cherry on top of his already great victory. So, you know. yeah, the folding press or European clutch. What we Europeans would actually call it a folding press. <laughs> just the way it goes. Uh, yeah, it was it was just thoroughly enjoyable. And Zack Sabre Jr. is such a good little bastard, isn't he? He's so annoyingly niggly and, yeah. Um, and claimed if he beats Sanahashi on night three that he wants to – sorry, take a piece of card on night three. He wants a shot at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the Copper Box in London, uh, which would be interesting to see because – I think for once, Okada might actually have to work as heel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. exactly. Zach, Zach in the copper box for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship will be something else to see. Exactly. Anyway, yes, let us move on to the next match. And Kenta takes two points from Kota Ibushi. Bit of a dream match here. You have one of the mainstays and major draws of DDT Pro Wrestling in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. And you have the biggest draw, one of, one of the big mainstay draws of Noah of the uh, 2010s, mid 2000s. Both about the same age, both kind of grew up in different systems. One's a King's Road wrestler, one's this odd mix of everything wrestler <laughs> in Kota Ibushi. I'm not, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to get, but then I found out I really wanted wherever it is they have, and I want more of it, please, because these two were brilliant together. I've forgotten how cool Kenta could be. I obviously, I honestly haven't watched him wrestle in the last five years because he's been with WWE, and it's like, it's not going to be Kenta. It's going to be Hideo Itami. But as he said at the press conference, I'm fucking Kenta. And that pretty much says it all, really. Yeah, the man's one himself, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, just, it's like, I'm back. As he quite said at the first press conference, that idiot Hideo Itami is dead. I am Kenta. So, you know... <laughs> He's, he's redefined, and interestingly enough, wearing the same tights that he wore on his last night in Noah. Wow. So there you go. He was kind of like getting back to it, and that uh, lightning motif was a Kenta Kobashi signature as well. Kenta Kobashi used to have that on his knee pads, that lightning motif. So a bit of a throwback to one of his mentors, a bit of a throwback to his old self. Um, and truly burying the last five years of injuries, heartache, and misdirection. Yeah, you can you can put Hideo Tommy right in the in a uh, carved out wooden box right next to C.J. Parker because those two are done. Out of <laughs> yeah, this this match was this was another great affair. Um, you know, just looking at these four matches, this was a really great first night. Um, but this class right here uh, just really reminded me of um, why he had so much hype coming into to NXT initially. I mean, you could tell coming into this match, he had something to prove, kind of how, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm about to call him Ambrose, but um, Moxley came in against Paul Umino. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking for something to prove, but obviously uh, going against Ibushi is not going to be no easy affair, but he really took it to him. And it was kind of, I had to watch some of this match through my fingers because Kenta was not... Uh, being light on the headshots? No, no, he's, 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 again, he's a niggly little bastard when he wants to get going. Exactly. <laughs> and because Abushi sells everything like death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you really just never know what's, what he's, when he's suffering, uh, when he's putting on. You know, obviously he sold it quite well. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Kenta has something to prove and he just, he, he needed and he wanted it more. We got a, a, a GTS and, you know, again, it's freaking Kenta, he's back. It's his move. It was always his move. So, 
yeah, you made a statement here. It's, this, this is not of a, a shameful loss for Abushi. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Kenta is a different type of guy, and Abushi is going to get his wins. Um, I, although looking back at this card as a whole, it's going to be a tough one because all these guys are talking about <laughs> But uh, yeah, this was this, this was just another uh, great match and a great first statement. I'm back, uh, people. Uh, statement for Kenta. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it is just like, it's kind of ironic. It's like he spent five years wrestling in the States, not really enjoyed it that much. Comes to New Japan, and his debut was in Dallas. Um, but what's he doing? But you're right. It is like everyone in this pl- this block is really, really good. Like, Farley's probably, quote-unquote, the worst guy, but he always pulls it out of the G1, loses 40 pounds, and really tries. So, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. Really, really is. It's it's very unpredictable. I mean, I suppose Okada's favorite, but Ibushi was odds-on favorite to defend the block win. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. But the main event of the evening was Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. The age-old story for the 14th time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. 5-5 five, five with three... Hang on, 5-5. Five, five. No, it was the yeah, it was 14th time. 5-5, five, five, three losses, and now 6-5 to Akira in the series. Akira takes his first win, beating Tanahashi for the first time in the G1. Now, Hiroshi Tanahashi is a wrestling god, but even wrestling gods don't really stay around forever. He was trying his level best, and this was not bad. I mean, like, the cage match users give it 8.87, and Meltzer give it 4.4 and a half. This isn't back to their barnstorming days of old, like through two or three years ago, just because Hiroshi Tanahashi is essentially held together with duct tape and hope. So <laughs> it couldn't it couldn't be that good. It was astounding it was as good as it was, considering the things Tanahashi is going through in life. And I, the man's just unstoppable. He's just a force of nature when it comes to professional wrestling. I would say it's like watching Flair in the 90s, except... He was better than Flair in the 80s, is the way I would kind of see it. Tanahashi is just on a different level. He's going to be around for a while yet, and he's going to be a main event botherer for a while yet. We keep writing him off and saying, ah, he's done. But he's never done, is he? He just never just keeps going, and he has matches like this, and you think, like, oh, my God. And, like, we talk about Okada being the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion of all time, and there is a fair shout to say he is. But you look across the ring at this 42-year-old that just keeps chugging along and keeps pulling out classics. Night after night after night in front of 500 people in uh, somewhere up in North Sendai or whether it's 30,000 people at the Tokyo Dome. He gives the same effort every time and gets the best out of everybody that he can. And then as the main event like this. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, that's perfectly said. Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, because all the matches I've seen, when maybe not their peak level, but still on a different level. I mean, you know, talk about Tanahashi. Even when he's not at his level, it's still a level above everybody else. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, what, what just speaks to him is like he he was he was made for this. He was born for it. Um, and you know the fact that you know seems like when he's at his worst, he still puts out some of the best stuff. You don't know how he does, and you, you can imagine, you know, he's in an, in an extreme amount of pain. He still puts on a smile and is the rock star of New Japan, and people go crazy for him. And, and Okada's accolades are. Just that undeniable, but Tanahashi continues to prove why he is that standard bearer. You know, he's the he's the pillar. So, you know, um, another another great affair. Uh, Would have been again cool back to what we started out with. Cool to see what 
could have done crowd wise if they had promoted this match because there was that one shot when Tanahashi was on the rope. We were like, oh, that's that's yeah. that's a lot of space. So, that is, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but other than that, again, these two these two can't really do no wrong. It's really the perfect uh, recipe that um, you know New Japan can always uh, you know go back to. So yeah. they, they got it out the way in these two. Uh, this is it's just a fight forever type of thing, you know. So. And bear in mind, like, you know, traditionally speaking, running Dallas for the last 20 years has not been profitable exercise um, because you have to go back. You go back to the Von Erickson world class in the 80s and they were pulling 45,000 at Texas Stadium, the old Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play on the David, Mor- David Von Erick Memorial show. But it was slowly ever diminishing returns because world class wrestling just kind of ground to the halt over a 10 year spirit period. And they couldn't draw squat by about 1994. There was like the area was dead. WWE wouldn't even go to Dallas because they knew wrestling wasn't hot there. They wouldn't go to Dallas until the late 2000s in the Attitude Era when they had Terry Funk and Steve Austin and some hot Texas wrestlers because they were afraid that the territory was absolutely dead. So to get 5,000 in Dallas for professional wrestling, and it was a nice shout out from Lance Storm to use the to use the claw in his opening match against uh, Will Ospreay, that was something special to see because I never thought I'd see another claw in Dallas. So that was that was excellent. But, you know, historically speaking, Dallas has not been a wrestling town for a very long time. Yeah, it, you know, just to say there's a whole kind of more, uh, I guess, football-oriented and, and other sports like that and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. You know, I guess some people may expect... Either, I guess depending on how they view wrestling as a, as a long-term fan, but uh, that it'd be more, uh, I guess, significant in terms of attendance. But not every place is Chicago, you know? No, no. Like that, so, you know. We shall see, anyway. But, yeah, it was a good move to go to Dallas. It certainly was different, and it and it, and it, it means that they've put in time in. They've put in, if you think, like, as a political campaign, sometimes you don't. You go and campaign in places you know you're going to win to make the other guy spend money there. And going to Dallas means WWE have to put more time into Dallas and doing the Southwest than they perhaps want to when they can't because house shows don't make money and it costs them money to do it. This isn't necessarily wrestling war tactics, but it's not far off. New Japan have got a bit more money to spend because they don't spend so much on production. You know, it's a costly exercise getting all those guys over to Dallas. But once you've got them there, you can do other things with them as well. Whereas WWE are just going to go and run shows, and it's like they can't afford to keep running house shows that keep losing money. So it's um, it's interesting, I think. It's just an interesting place where the business is right now. Yeah. Right then, we go to night two, and we're in a bit more of a traditional place. We're in Ota Gymnasium, 4,000 people in Tokyo, Japan, Ota City General. Uh, been there many, many times before watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we were back with uh, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero with the addition of Chris Charlton there because uh, it's always nice to have Chris Charlton translating for you and adding tidbits of information that make things seem so much smoother. I'm dreading when we get to the final and we have all four of them and Callis as well. But there you go. Anyway, for now, let us enjoy things while we can. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so LIJ, Bushi, Evil, and Sonata defeated Kota Bushi, Will Ospreay, and Yui Omera in 7 minutes and 59 seconds. That was an opening match. Bill, did anything happen there, Marcus? Because I ain't seen that one, but I think you have. Oh, that one, no. I didn't actually catch any of the tag matches on this night. 
Oh, okay then. So, second match, Bad Luck Farley and Chase Owens, they defeated Suzuki on Lance Hydra and Yoshinui Kanemura. There just must have been so much cheating going on in that match. That must have been awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks and Kenta, those big boys from the LA Dojo, they defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, Ren Narita and Shota Umino. So it was the Americans versus the Japanese. A little bit of a story to tell there. 11 minutes and 13 seconds. Suzuki Gun, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., the classic Suzuki on tag team, they defeated Kazuchika Okada and Ryoshi Hashi in 11 minutes and 16 seconds. So let's just get to the night. first night of Block B. Juice Robinson defeats Shingo Takagi in again in a barnstormer. This is the best match I've seen Juice in and the best match I've seen Shingo in. Shingo obviously had a great Best of Super Juniors final, but this first match with Juice Robinson was outstanding. Shingo lost, but he did not lose anything in his loss, if you see what I mean. He lost to a superior heavyweight in Juice Robinson, and he's still working that open weight kind of thing. He wanted into the G1 Climax. He got his wish, and now he has to kind of pay the piper a little bit. But Juice looks on set to score some big points this year after last year's disappointment with the broken hand angle. So this was interesting, to say the least. What are your thoughts on this, Marcus? Yeah, I've really come to uh, really be a big fan of Shingo. And, um, always, you know, love Juice. Uh, we love Juice here. But, yeah, this was this was great. Now, as much as I, you know, uh, adore the Super Juniors, this really kind of showed, like you said, an uptick in the competition from where Shingo was because he had uh, a phenomenal Super Juniors tournament. And, um, you know, that, that great final. Yeah, with Osprey. But, uh this this was a this was a kicker this was a kick up in the level. I mean, Juice really turned it up here. Like he was taking it to Shingo. Um, you know, he was not behind, and they just had a, a great exchange. And like you said, his greatest as Super Junior's final was. This was, you know, Juice pushed you know Takagi to kick it up a level. So you know that that was great. And again, you know, Juice has a lot to prove. Like you said, not only coming off of disappointing G one last year, a lot of ups and downs with that hand. And then obviously coming off of dropping the title of the Moxley, which he wants back, you know, he just he's he's got all the motivation to, to get the job done, and he really had to push it here and pulled off that Pope friction and got a phenomenal win against a phenomenal talent. So, you know, his hoping juice racks up to continues to rack up these wins. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this tournament plays out for both men. Definitely. Second match of the night was John John Moxley. He defeated Tai Chi, thank Christ, in 7 minutes and 36 seconds in a scrappy affair. It was all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm yeah. Right Yes, it was just, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, all right. A, I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely happened. Yep. There was stuff there that went on. Uh, most interesting bit for me was Shota Umino carrying the US title behind John Moxley like some fetish for a deity. Um, and then after that, it was all like, all right. I had difficulty getting into this match. I'm not a big fan of Tai Chi. And Moxley hasn't impressed me since he turned up. So the two things together were like, yeah, let, yeah. Let, oh. let us get through this. <laughs> I'm right, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm, I'm I'm happy that that another person has been emancipated from, uh, you know, elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> but you'll never you'll never get me into anything Tai Chi related, and and you know, I, like I said, Moxley's cool, but I'm not a big fan of his either. So, like James said, thank Christ for the result. <laughs> but other than that, things happened, and and we and we move on. That was, I mean, the Uranagi through the table was quite cool. 
He yeah. was mostly being mean to Mio Abe, not cool. She's lovely and she should be left alone. Um, but yeah, well, it's, it was all right. It's Tai Chi for a start, so it's never going to be like Flair Frigate Steamboat, is it? Let's be honest. But I mean, Tai Chi does try these days. He actually attempts to have a professional wrestling match rather than pull Larry Zabisco and stall for 23 minutes. So it was better than it could have been, uh, but still not actually good. Right there, would you? Yeah, that's about all I can say that. But what was good was the next match, because the next match was awesome. And it was only three minutes and 42 seconds, maybe the best match of the tournament so far. Terry Yanu takes two points at Tetsuya Nato and almost guarantees an Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship shot at King of Pro Wrestling or at the uh, G1 final, depending on how far Tetsuya Nato gets in this tournament. And it was brilliant. It was just brilliant. It's going to be the highlight of my day here in James. Practically squeal over Toriano. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> but it was just like, well, everything was perfect. From NATO taking Yano for granted from the press conference onwards, he shouldn't be in the G1. He's like the, the snobbishness of NATO. He's not a proper wrestler. He shouldn't do this, this, these things. He ruins it, all the fun for everybody. So he knew it was going to be something special. And then it was something special. It was just genius. Look, uh, you know, always they look... Yano, Yano's madness didn't have to be my precise cup of tea, but there's method to his madness. <laughs> any opponent, when you play the Yano game against Yano, you play to lose. Yeah. And, and, and Naito took the bait hook, line, and sinker, and he <laughs> ended the match on his back with his shirt over his head. Mm. They don't call him the sublime master thief for nothing. And that was perfect. Just a perfect wrestling match. Exactly where it should be. Um, but just well sold, well told story, just brilliant. It's never going to get a Meltzer rating, and the cage match guys all shit on it from a great height. But I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> all right then, Rick, uh, recommended match. This is was recommended by the cage match guys. Tomohiro Ishii and Jeff Cobb knock seven bells of stuffing out of one another. Uh, this was stiff, mm. quite stiff, stiffer than a thirty year old workbench. This was. This was stiff. They they really did try and knock each other's block off for about 18 minutes and 30 seconds. It was stiff. There's no other ways about it. Was perhaps a little too stiff in spots, but these two can go. And I won't mind seeing this again for a title somewhere down the line. Uh, I believe Jeff Cobb kind of his old one as a former cha- Never Point champion. Never got his title shot back. And I think this would work in a longer format in the main event of a show somewhere, possibly destruction. I think it would be cool. What are your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, agreed. This was, uh, you know, I guess the the, the Fale Evil uh, style match from night one, but uh, turned up a significantly uh, stiffer uh, level. Um, you know, pointing me towards the ice bath and, and, and the icy hot uh, because, you know, you kind of feel it when these two clash. But I, I like the, the contrast, the comparison with these two because. Like I say, Ishii is always just going to be that, that stone pit bull, that wall that a lot of people can't get over because they just mm. run into it and crash. But Cobb is a guy who's, you know, made it a point to be like, I'm, you know, I want, you know, you know, I guess it's appropriate here, stiffer competition because he's that guy that can manhandle somebody like Ishii, which we don't normally see, but he can give as good as he can get. And he got it in this match. And, Kind of pushed Ishii to the limit, but uh, Ishii came out on top. 
because he's never want to be slept on in these G1 tournaments. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I'd, I'd like to see this somewhere down the line, specifically for the Never Open Way title, because I think this style of match is perfect for that title. So um, this won't be the last time these two guys uh, clash, that's for sure. No, definitely not. This was just fantastic. Absolutely loved this. Um, just brilliant. And I hope we get to see it again. Next was the main event of the evening. Now, this was a bit of an interesting one. Jay White going against his former stablemate, Hiroki Goto, the leader of Bullet Club versus one of Chaos's number two or number three men, depending on which way you look at it. And it was kind of like foregone conclusion for everybody, really. Jay White should take this in about 17 minutes. And it went 21 minutes and six seconds. So it nearly went the distance. And Hiroki Goto won. He's gone off to see she's old mate Shibata. He's had a bit more training time in the US dojo. He's learned a few things. Shibata was on commentary on night three, apparently. So that should be interesting to watch. <laughs> Smugly grinning as Goto was kicking people's heads off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm intrigued as to what they're going to do with Goto. But he takes the win from Jay White in a thoroughly enjoyable match of full of reversals, full of tension, full of uh, Jay White taking Goto for granted. And again, losing out, which was a bit of the theme of the evening. The theme of the first night was big man versus small man. The second night was taking people for granted. You perhaps shouldn't take for granted. And of course, I should not deny a man his moment. What are your thoughts on this one, sir? Yeah, great. You know, those themes are, are, are definitely um, prevalent with, uh, on, on both nights. Uh, and here, you know, if you're in a G1, you're in it for a reason. Uh, I think though some people may say differently uh, when talking about some names like Yoshiashi and uh, Tai Chi. However, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Goto has always kind of been that, that stalwart, you know, it's, uh, definitely has his ups and downs, but he always stays in the fight. And uh, that, that kind of perfectly defined it here. Also, Jay White is looking to regain a lot of that momentum coming off of dropping the title. Kind of Got a new look. I think he's sporting a beard now, a uh, more grungier look. Um, yeah, and he's all, I mean, he's another guy that that's consistently gotten better uh, as his as his competition has increased. But uh, like I said, Goto has been to these types of dances so many times. He's battle tested, battle ready. And like you said, he's kind of you know kind of going off and kind of got a refresher, kind of putting a little reset on himself, and uh, again just pushed forward towards the end, just through everything. Uh, AJ White and then pulled out the win, which is always great for uh, this this the Goto Council, if you will. So, like you, I'm definitely interested in where they go with Goto. Yeah, definitely. We'll see see how things go because this is very intriguing. It puts NATO and Jay White, the clear two favorites for the block, on the back foot. So we'll have to see what happens, won't we? And Juice yep. Robinson seems to be fairly moving fairly forward. If the big name players, Juice is right up there. So we shall have to see. Right then, well, that concludes our coverage for the first two nights. Night three and four, of, well, night three has already happened. That happened today. Night four happens tomorrow. Night five, five happens on the 18th, which is later in the week. We're going to try and get a show to you midweek to cover nights three and four uh, when I've got some time because this is the last week of term for me. So this is hell week as far as I'm concerned. I'm trying to wrap everything up and get work done. Uh, so if I can get half an hour to go on with somebody, I will record a show specifically for nights three and four. I think I can get it on Thursday night, but we shall see. But let's preview those matches. So the next night, night, night three, featured Bad Luck Farley and Lance Archer. That's the opener. You got a winner there, Marcus? Ooh. It's funny. I talked about those two of the tag team, but seeing uh, them clash, that's definitely uh, some kaiju type of stuff. 
I'm going <laughs> with uh just because of his performance and what he pulled out, I'm gonna go with uh Arch on that one. Yeah, interesting. Sonada versus Will Osprey aerialists together. That should be interesting. You got a pick there? Sonata Osprey. I'm gonna go with I ain't going against my guy, but I'm gonna go with Osprey. Okay then, Kazuchika Okada versus Zack Saber Jr. Go on. Yeah, Okada. Okada. I'm actually going to go with Zack Saber Jr. just because, much as I am an Okada guy and I am chaos through and through, but I do think Saber Jr. will win so he can get his title shot out of the copper box, which yeah. I think would be interesting. Evil versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, Kota needs to uh, pick up a, a victory, so um, I'm going with uh, Kota. Okay, and the main event of the evening, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. That's going to be epic. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. With, <laughs> I gotta go with. I ain't been against the ace, but I gotta go with Kenta. He's oh. got. He's got a. You got a look of uh, specific determination in his eyes. Undeniable at the moment. Right, night uh, four will feature Shingo Takagi versus Toriyano. I Taru's on a roll and Takagi's like lagging. I'm going with Yano on that one. I gotta say, I'm a, like I said, I'm a Takagi guy, but that dog on Yano, man, you never got. He's a wild card. I'm going to go with Yano. Hiroki Goto versus Juice Robinson. That should be interesting because they're both kind of level playing field, like uh, popularity wise and level playing field, kind of like draw ability wise. Difficult one to call. What do you think, Marcus? He's just like. Having two kids and watching them fight. Um, <laughs> oh, rocking the hall place right here. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it with juice on that one. Going with juice. Okay, then next up, Jeff Cobb versus John Moxley, which will be a slobber knocker. Yeah, uh, I want, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Cobb for that one. I want to see him take it. Yeah, I would say so as well. Come on, well, no, I'm gonna go with Moxley just because. He needs a better match than he had with Tai Chi, and I think Jeff Cobb's going to give it to him. But I think yeah. Moxley's probably on the bigger role, and Cobb got the win in the first round, first night, so we'll see. Jay White versus Tomohiro Ishii. That will be a barnstormer. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. That's another tough one. Oof. <laughs> already, I can already hear the, the mango flesh. Um, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go with the, the stone, the stone football. I gotta go with Ishii on that one. And your main event for night four will be Tai Chi versus Tetsuya Naito. I was gonna say that's not the main event. Then you said no. <laughs> main event with Tai Chi. Yeah, I'm Naito. Period. Yeah, and Naito will be so pissed that he lost against Yano. He will take Tai Chi apart in about three minutes and twelve seconds. Uh, and so. Even- even me not being a Naito guy, I'm gonna be pissed if he takes an L to Yano. <laughs> <laughs> right then, but thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. We started our G1 climax coverage. It is glorious. It is our favorite time of the year. I'd yeah. like to thank my guest, Mr. Marcus Green, the Paradox Kid on Twitter. Thank you for your time, sir. Oh man, always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, you can find me, James Troopany, on Twitter at Sheriff Lone Star. You can find the show, Troopany Show, on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever. 
for everyone. Some sad news before we go. Apparently, Fighting Spirit magazine is no more. And I would like to thank Brian of Fighting Spirit magazine for giving me loads of opportunities to say what I had to say in the biggest wrestling magazine in the country. I thoroughly enjoyed working as a freelancer for FSM. And I hope it comes back in some form soon because it was the the best experience writing for a magazine you could possibly have. My name was next to Jim Cornette and Jim Ross and Rob Naylor and all these guys I've watched the product of and been heroes of mine for a very long time. And the fact that James Trudy got to their names once in a little bit was fantastic. So I appreciate that. Also, a little known fact, in Britain, in the British Library, which is your library of Congress, Marcus, uh, they take the leading magazine of each particular interest and archive them, which means that my writing is in the British Library. And that is very, very cool because I wrote for FSM. You know, anybody that knows you, you know, has read any of your stuff knows that that is 100% uh, deserved. So thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. It's, it was Brian explained it over Twitter one day, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Right then. Uh, yes, you should come back to us later in the week. We will have rolling coverage of the G1 Climax as we go. We will get five minutes and we will podcast something about wrestling from that day as we normally try and do throughout the G1. So we won't be going for our regular Monday slots. I might do a Monday slot because we have an episode with John Dinsdale I've been trying to put out for about three months. <laughs> and I'm sure John's forgotten he's done it now. So bless him. We should get him on board with that. Um, we should also listen to our sponsors and look at their stuff. You should look at powerslam.tv. If you use our code MULLETWATCH, you'll get a free month on a year subscription. And ND Empire Magazine issue two is out now. Big interviews from the people in professional wrestling, including members of Bullet Club, Hikaleu, Aku's tallest son. And you can see stories from me concerning age-old stories from New Japan Pro Wrestling about the Three Musketeers. And Tomohiro Ishii's Five Reigns is a never-open-weight champion. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye!